We continue on a series of, of divine appointments uh, for the summer, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 16, a very interesting situation here in Acts, and uh, you'll see what happens here in a moment. Maybe you're familiar with it already. But uh, we've been talking about divine appointments, and we're going to be looking at discipleship as well. But first of all, we're looking at these situations where God sets up opportunities for you to share your faith or opportunities to be used by God in whatever way, to maybe bring encouragement to somebody, maybe to speak into someone's life, show them God's love in some way. And I trust maybe God has, has given you those opportunities, has given you a, a divine appointment. Maybe you were part of that. Someone came to you and you were in need at, in, at the right time, in the right place. God met you and brought someone into your life. But God is working those things out every day putting things into action, setting things into motion. And what we need to do, if we want to be part of those divine appointments, if we want to be used by God, we need to open our eyes up and be ready. We need to be willing to be used by God in whatever way possible. So this morning we're in the New Testament book of Acts. It's a book written by Luke, one of Jesus' disciples, and it chronicles the moves or the actions of the Holy Spirit as the church begins to grow. If you've never read through Book of Acts, uh, a great book to read through as far as how the Holy Spirit guided and led the people of the church and how, how the church just grew and spread. Uh, if you've read it before, read it again. Because <laughs> there's some things possibly that you come through and you go, wow, I, I didn't know that was there. Or you didn't realize something uh, else uh, of, of a principle of God's word there. But God's word is living and active. And so as we read it, I trust that you'll gain something new if you've read through this before. But the church is growing exponentially at this time as we come, come to this point of uh, uh, this portion of Scripture. And, and Luke captures for us some of the patterns and the principles of believers growing in God and the spiritually lost growing towards God, and all this coming together again to, to uh, bring people hope, bring people um, the fact that this, this is not the end, there's eternal life waiting for us. And so uh, Acts chapter 16, we're going to start with verse 6. And when we come to this point, uh, we see here that... Um, we have, we have a missionary journey basically going on, and uh, Paul and Silas uh, take off on a missionary journey. Uh, it used to be Paul and Barnabas, but a chapter before this, we find that uh, they have a little disagreement, and they go their separate ways. And so um, Paul is able to join up with Silas. Timothy joins them as well, too, here, as well, uh, beginning of chapter 16. And then as we get in verse 6, we see a very interesting situation going on. And, and uh, we'll start with uh, that verse and read through verse 10. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. 
After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what can we learn from this passage of Scripture? There's a number of things we can learn in light of divine appointments. And already you see here, as they were moving along, um, they are being led by the Holy Spirit or being kept from going other places by the Holy Spirit. But one of the things we can learn here from this portion of Scripture in light of divine appointments is that you need to get started. Get started even when you don't see the whole plan clearly. Doesn't matter if having the whole thing. Some of us, some of us need the whole plan sometimes. We, you know, we're not going to move forward until we know all the details. But really, divine appointments, you just got to get started. Get started. Have you ever felt that you weren't sure of where God was leading you, but you know you needed to go? but you weren't sure quite where or how. We might not have been trotting around the Mediterranean like Paul and Silas, but there can definitely be times of uncertainty in our lives when direction just doesn't seem as clear. You come to a fork in the road and you're going, okay, which way do I take? God, help me. And God says, just keep moving. <laughs> where? <laughs> which direction? Keep moving. And God, at the right time, right at the last moment, is able to direct you where you need to go. Provides the opportunity of knowing which way. And those are the times when maybe we wish God would, would act like a GPS for us. You know, if you get off, off base or something like that, recalibrating, recalculating, <laughs> getting you back on track. And we could just simply punch in the coordinates, maybe, and listen to God guide us step by step. If we're not going in the right direction, He'll help us get back on track. What's really important for us to draw out of this text is that these two guys got going before they had clear direction. They moved on. They headed off into those areas and those regions. We often do a whole lot of nothing for God because we're waiting to see our name and God's direction on, on a billboard or maybe on the screen of our mobile devices. We're looking for some sign to help us get to the place that God wants, to, wants us to be. And we are really seeking after that. It's not something that we're just kind of possibly thinking that it doesn't really matter much. We're earnestly wanting to know God's will in our life. And so we're waiting for some kind of sign, something like that, when we actually just need to get moving. We walk by and drive by all kinds of opportunities, divine appointments, and then pray at the end of the day, God, just show me what to do and I'll do it, when he has probably shown you already along the way. Paul and Silas were driven by their mission, which is Jesus is the good news, People are lost without it, and we have to go and share this message. We are compelled. And without the good news, people will perish into eternal hell. Maybe we need to say today, God, we will stop waiting and we'll just go. Moving forward, allowing God to direct us. Yeah, I, I remember... Sitting in, in, in my, my uh, stepfather's Toyota pickup, 
in the garage, garage door shut, no key in the ignition. <laughs> I think I was probably seventh grade, somewhere around there, and I was curious on how to drive. I think I'm going to have to do this sometime. I wasn't like wanting to do this. I, you know, I knew these big vehicles could kill somebody, and I didn't want to be <laughs> part of that. But I knew that I would have to know how to drive. And I remember getting into his, his little Toyota pickup, closing the door you know, in, the, in the driver's seat, and it was a, it was a five-speed. And I remember you know, pushing in the clutch and act, acting in the brake still on, pushing the clutch and acting like I'm driving and going along, stuff like that. But the thing was, I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> I'm doing this and all that. And uh, good thing I wasn't because the garage door was all shut and everything. But The idea is that if we are moving forward, God can steer us in the right direction. If, if I weren't and the garage door was open, were to be able to move that truck around at that time, then um, if it was moving somewhere and I turned the steering wheel, it would put me in the direction that I'd be going. God wants us to get started, get moving forward. He will guide us. He will steer us where we need to go. We just need to be sensitive to His leading. So maybe we should just stop waiting and, and, and get moving. But the more that we listen to the Holy Spirit and follow His direction in our lives, the more that we will see our God-given opportunities to share our faith with others. We could stay at home all day and say, God, provide something for me. God, provide something for me. When we're able to get out and, and move about. As you go off to the grocery store, be willing and ready to maybe share a smile with someone or a, a word of encouragement with someone at the grocery store or help somebody if they need some help. There's, sometimes there's people in, uh, in those uh, wheelchair scooters that the stores provide and they can't get something from the top shelf. Help them get something from the top shelf or whatever. <laughs> Stuff like that that we can be there for them, encouraging them, showing God's love, and then maybe that becomes that divine appointment that God is saying, finally, I need you here. Because that person's going through a horrible day. Maybe they're going through a horrible week. Maybe their year has just not been going well at all. And they just need some kind of glimmer of hope. And you're that messenger. And God wants you to, to be there at those moments and, and be at that, that right place, right time. In order to do that, we need to get, get going, get started, get moving. So get started even when you don't see the whole plan clearly. Another thing we can learn from this passage regarding divine appointments, and once we get started, keep going, keep moving, even if you don't see the results that you expected. So you do come up to that, that person uh, who's in the wheelchair scooter there of the store. Can I help you? No, 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 I don't need any help. Thank you. Okay. And <laughs> you move on your way. You keep on going, though. Someone else might need help. Whatever it is, don't get discouraged by that point. It's just another place. Maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to where you need to go by shutting these doors to get you to the right place, right person at the right time. So don't get discouraged. Keep going even if you don't see the results that you expected. Paul and Silas's journey can look a little comical to us now. As you go back and read through that, they, they tried to get in one area, 
It was closed, guided by, by the Holy Spirit. And then another area, they were they tried to get in another spot, and Jesus' Spirit closed that one off, and they went to another place, and they kept on going. And finally, Paul got the vision of Macedonia, head on down there. It's almost like someone on a game show trying random doors looking for the right one. But it reminds us that we, we won't always be successful with every door that we try. We, we think and, and, and we trust that this is the direction God wants us to go, and we get to that point, and, and, and it doesn't work out. Okay, well, there's something else that God will have for me. And you keep on moving. You keep on working, trusting that God is guiding you to the right direction. I think that Luke paints this picture for us to encourage us not to not to give up whenever we feel like we've gone in the wrong direction. Because too easily that can happen. We can get discouraged and say, well, there we go. I should have just stayed home, just prayed for people. A lot easier doing it that way. A lot more successful doing it that way instead of getting it out and having all these different failures. But many times we... We simply don't see in the immediate what God might be working behind the scenes. Maybe that person in that, that wheelchair, scooter, wheelchair thing at the store who's just uh, rejected you for help, that was the first contact. Then someone else might be coming along and make contact. And someone else might. And finally, the person is able to um, open up and share. You, you never know what's going on. You might be the first person, the beginning of all that. What can seem like a wrong road or a closed door could actually be accomplishing far more than we realize. And in verse 6, the Holy Spirit had prevented them. There's something here that is key to this entire sermon series, and it is key to our journey. It's this. When you become a believer, you are downloading the Holy Spirit into your life. You have the Holy Spirit. You aren't driven simply by what you want to do or where you want to go or by personal selfish desires, or it shouldn't be the case. Your life is surrendered to God's perfect will and plan for your life. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit guiding and directing you into all truth. And as He does that, then we, we follow. We follow with a life surrendered to God's perfect will and plan for our life. To some, this can sound like some terribly restricting form of control. Oh, great. Now I'm the robot of the Holy Spirit. I knew it. Become a Christian. All my freedoms are gone. But in fact, it's the complete opposite. God will guide you and steer you and lovingly lead you to be everything He created you to be. He's gifted you in a lot of different ways, each one of you. You may not be doing something that someone else can do, but God has something specifically for you because of your talents, because of your, your character, because of who you are. God is going to use you and place you in a situation where those gifts and talents are going to come through and be used by Him. He will lovingly lead you to be everything He created you to be. And when we really get intentional about making the most of God's divine appointments, we will have a determination and resolve to keep going and not give up. Just anticipate that, that one moment where you finally are used by God to lead someone to Christ. 
that one moment where you are that person where they say, oh, I was praying for someone to come and, and help me with this or, or tell me there's, there's, there's hope and you're that person, I thank God for you. It's those moments where we come from those divine appointments and we say, wow, this is good. I'm going to be ready for the next one. Keep going even though if you don't see the results that you expected. God is working all these things out. His perfect plan is coming about. And something else we can learn from this passage in light of divine appointments is this. If we take the time to listen and be willing to do whatever God asks, we will be directed to life-changing appointments. So listen and do. Listen and do. Watching Paul and Silas move and respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit it makes me think of voice-activated technology. <laughs> you can get voice-activated features in your car. We don't, unless we hook up our phone or something like that. But you might have voice-activated components, components around your home, right? Hey Siri, OK Google, Alexa. And you speak, and it recognizes your voice, and it completes whatever task you ask it to do, <laughs> unless you're Becky, and Siri just doesn't like you. <laughs> she uses her phone and, and quite well with Siri, but sometimes Siri just doesn't want to talk to her, I guess. If Paul and Silas were listening intently to the Holy Spirit, and when God spoke, they heard His voice, and they were activated. Hearing God's voice isn't just something for super-Christians or any of those characters from the Bible. God has wired each of us to be in a relationship of communion with Him. So when we are connected with God in that way, and like I mentioned before, having those daily devotions, having that daily Bible reading time and prayer time, you're connected with the Savior, connected with the Creator of the universe who knows what needs to go on putting His plan into action. And when we're connected with Him, then we're more connected in knowing what He wants of us. When I read verse 9 of this text and the way the man in Paul's dream pleaded with Paul to come and help his people, I can't help but think of the many ways people around us are calling out for help. And the thing is, it might not look like help. It might look like acting out. It might look like uh, uh, someone that we might not want to associate with. It might look like other actions that we're going, wow, I'm <laughs> never going to do that. And I don't think I'll ever talk with that person. Those people are crying out for help. You see, you, you know the truth. You've got the truth inside you. They need that. They need to hear it. They need to hear that the lifestyle that they're leading or or the actions that they're doing is, is not the only thing in life. There's something better. And we need to be willing and ready to share that with them. But hearing this, this Macedonian call, it should remind us that there are people all around us calling out for help. And some of them know who you are. Some of them are acquaintances. You see them every now and then. You bump into them every now and then. Maybe you get a phone call from them twice a year or something like that, once a year. But they know who you are. 
They know that you go to church. They know that you have a relationship with Christ. They know that you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And so they know that they can call you up. They know that you can pray for them. They know that you've got a connection with the man upstairs. There are people in your life that call out for help. And maybe their, their call for help sounds like, could you spare some money? Could I come over and stay at your place? Could you take care of some things here for me? And their cry for help is much more than just that. And that's just the connection and getting into, into their life and possibly having that divine appointment, being able to speak truth in their life. We shouldn't be surprised when the world acts like the world, right? What if we could see that people often do what they do simply because they are trying to find the answers? They are hoping that someone will come along who can point the way and give them hope. There's a poem that I came across, and I've heard it before, um, but I think it's very appropriate to share and get my glasses on because this is small print. <laughs> it's called, I Stand by the Door by Sam Shoemaker, who is a person who lived from 1893 to 1963. So I'm not talking about someone who's modern here today, but his poem sure speaks to us today. Talks about how we can be there to point people along the way to what is true. So listen along to this. It says, I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which men walk when they find God. There is no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where the door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for men to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing that any man can do is to take hold of one of those blind groping hands and put it on the latch, a latch that only clicks and opens to the man's own touch. Men die outside the door, as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter, die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. So I stand by the door. Go in, great saints, go all the way in. Go way down into the cavernous cellars and way up into the spacious attics. It is a vast, roomy house, this house where God is. Go into the deepest of hidden easements, of withdrawal, of silence, of of sainthood. Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and heights of God and call outside to the rest of us how wonderful it is. Sometimes I take a deeper look in, sometimes venture in a little farther, but my place seems closer to the opening, so I stand by the door. There's another reason why I stand there. Some people get partway in and some afraid, and become afraid lest God and the zeal of his house devour them. 
for God is so very great and asks all of us. And these people feel a cosmic claustrophobia and want to get out. Let me out, they cry, and the people way inside only terrify them more. The people too far in do not see how near these are to leaving, preoccupied with the wonder of it all. Somebody must watch for those who have entered the door but would like to run away. So for them, too, I stand by the door. I admire the people who go way in, but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door. As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place near enough to God to hear him and know he is there, but not so far from men as not to hear them. And remember, they are there too. Where? Outside the door. Thousands of them. Millions of them. But more important for me, one of them, two of them, ten of them, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch. So I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I had rather be a doorkeeper. So I stand by the door. And God is calling us as well to be that doorkeeper ready to open it up, ready to put their hand on that latch so so they can open it up, bringing them to what God has for them. So get going, keep going, and then, of course, listen and do. This brings us to two questions, two questions we all need to answer. One is, am I listening? And the other one, will I go? So are you listening? Now, you can't listen if your days are crammed with activity and there's zero God margin in your life. If your time consists of on the go all the time and no time for God, you're going to find yourself not listening so much. Hard to hear what God is trying to tell you. Maybe you need to carve out some quiet time. Maybe you simply need to start each day by telling God that you are listening and give him a few minutes to open your eyes. Keep a journal, maybe that's in your wheelhouse, and write down the names of people God wants you to pray for and connect with. Maybe you can keep a record of the divine appointments God gives you through the day, because you can look back on those and be reminded, God worked through me in that situation. You'll start to see fewer and fewer coincidences and more and more of God's, God's leading. So look for practical ways to meet needs or to simply be an encouragement to someone. But it all comes down to the question, are you listening? Kind of starts there. The other question, will you go? Will you go? And this is really a matter of the heart. Because we can hear from God, we can listen to Him, but then we have to do something about it. You and God need to work on the things that might be holding you back. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's faith. Whatever it is. The place that you are dreading to go to the most might be the very place that God asks you to go to first. So whatever you do in your prayers, don't be saying stuff like, Oh God, whatever you do, don't send me there. Don't have me do this. That might be the first place he takes you. 
really, if we want to experience all of the joy God has for us, and if we want to be all that He has created us to be, we need to fully surrender every area of our lives and be available to God whenever, wherever. Is holding back holds us back. Holding on only quenches our spirit. Are you listening? And will you go? That's a big part of those divine appointments. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in a couple songs. As I do, let me give you some application here by way of questions for you. In order to become more receptive to the Holy Spirit, setting up these divine appointments for you, think about these questions this week. Who are the people that you interact with every day? Think about that. Who are the people you interact with every day? How can you slow down, listen, and show that you care? What is it that you could do to slow down, to listen, and show that you care to these people that you interact with every day? What intentional relationships can you build with people far from God? And that takes some courage. That takes some getting out of your comfort zone, possibly. What intentional relationships can you build with people far from God? And then how can you see more opportunities with less coincidences? Be able to go before God and be directed and realize God orchestrated all this. There aren't any coincidences. And who are you praying for that needs to hear God's good news? We need to be praying for those people. Because you know those people. And God could use you in their lives because you have got that connection with them already. Who are those people that you are praying for that needs to hear God's good news? Some application there for you. But also, too, there's, there's got to be some heart application as well. It really comes down to surrendering, surrendering to God. Your life to His. His plan for your life. What He has for you. Can you tell God today that you are listening and that you will go wherever He wants you to go? If you need to spend some time in prayer, you sure can. Come on up to the altar and pray. And however the Holy Spirit's leading you and speaking to you about, but just trust that you will obey however God is prompting you, but that we all be ready and willing to go where He wants us to go, and that we would live those surrendered lives so that we are ready for that.